Wildfires are scorching the West Coast, leaving behind a path of death and destruction. Forecasters call it a bomb cyclone. Winds of 150 miles per hour. Tens of millions of Americans are dealing with dangerously high temperatures, with many areas hitting triple digits. Scientists say climate change is worsening flooding around the world. This is going to get really ugly really fast here. Welcome to the Yahoo News Climate Crisis Podcast. I'm Ben Adler with David Knowles, my co-host and uh, fellow senior editor at Yahoo News. David, you recently interviewed Seve Painu, who is the finance minister of Tuvalu, a small island nation in the South Pacific here in Glasgow, where we're covering the UN Climate Change Conference, also known as COP26. David, can you tell me about how and why you came to do this interview? Yeah, so we were, you know, walking around the exhibitions that are in the main hall and we came upon the booth for Tuvalu and they had this really quite graphic display of some polar bears wearing life jackets and it's a sculpture that that someone made for the booth specifically and um, we were really sort of tickled with the image but we knew also that Tuvalu is a place that is kind of a poster child for what's coming with sea level rise and the, and the problems that uh, climate change is going to inflict on many island nations in the South Pacific. It's got one of the smaller populations, about 12,000 people, and those people are going to have to face some tough decisions about either building their houses up on stilts, the government itself is looking to pump in sand to do land reclamation. But the fact is that they're really only 15 feet above sea level at their highest point. These are very low-lying islands and they're already seeing a tremendous amount of disruption from rising sea levels. Uh, their crops are threatened, their water sources are you know, in danger. They, they have to bring in desalinization plants to uh, process drinking water. It's a very expensive place and getting more expensive for the residents to be able to stay there. So we wanted to tell the story of, you know, what it's like to live on a place that could soon be no more because of climate change. And Seve was, uh, was a really good spokesman on that, on that front. Thank you for talking to us. Uh, and I really appreciate your time here at Glasgow. I'm wondering if you can just give us a rundown for those who might not be familiar with what Tuvalu is going through of the threats from climate change that your nation is facing. Yeah. Uh, Tuvalu is a population of uh, around 10, 11,000. So it's the tiniest country in the whole world. It barely above the highest mark of two meters above sea level. So it's a flat, low-lying atoll uh, nation. So it's very vulnerable to uh, the impacts of climate change and sea level rise. So we are now living the climate change in Tuvalu. We are seeing land fast disappearing. Tuvalu is literally sinking. So that's why we are here at COP26, uh, to tell our story to the world. The world needs to take action now 
not to defer it to later years. Right. You're 56 years old, is that correct? I think I, I read that. Correct. What, what are the changes that you have seen in your lifetime due to climate change in your home country? Numerous. There's inundation, so water's just uh, infiltrating um, the waterlands below the land. Places where uh, water doesn't come through, now it's all flooded. There are storm surges at, when there are cyclones uh, that just come and wash right across the whole land from the other side to the other side. Never that happened before. Um, we have uh, land territory actually being submerged or disappearing where there used to be uh, vegetation and, and agriculture on those pieces of land. There have been uh, severe droughts, so water has been very precious for Tuvalu. Um, so that in turn has affected uh, not only the water supply because we only use rainwater, there are no rivers and underground water is not uh, drinkable because of its brackish uh, seawater. And also the impact on uh, livestock and agriculture. So food security has been severely threatened and even our fisheries and oceans resources. Uh, we see coral bleaching, acidification of the, the seawater, the ocean, that's now affecting our food supply chain. So we are in Tuvalu living the climate change. Right. And now, when you're talking about the food supply being impacted, uh, you know, fresh water you know, being in short supply, does that make living in Tuvalu that much more expensive because everything has to be imported? Or what? how does that impact the average resident? Um, you know, does it make, how does it make living there? Yeah, more expensive because we have to then import uh, desalination plants mm -hmm. to convert seawater into uh, drinking water. Mm -hmm. So that consumes a lot of diesel power and electricity. Uh, so the cost of water now is uh, rising every time because of uh, the cost of generating power to, to convert seawater into uh, drinking water. Right. You mentioned tropical cyclones and in 2020, you experienced a, a tropical cyclone. At that point, you've been dealing with sea level rise for many years, and you've, you've started to build homes on stilts uh, to, to raise their, their level. I'm wondering how those structures fared in the cyclone that happened last year. Yeah, so that was a TC Tino uh, cyclone, uh, struck us in January of uh, 2020, uh, category four. Uh, cyclone that was quite uh, severe. For islands that didn't have stills, the water just washes across those uh, housing. Uh, so they lost uh, uh, their homes, uh, their personal private belongings. It also destroyed our stable root crop, uh, which is swamp taro. They uh, took out vegetation, so seawater just got into it and just destroyed the entire crop vegetation. For one particular island that has started building climate-proof housing, so it's on concrete stilts block, and the house is upstairs, right. uh, concrete blocks. Right. Very solid. So when the s s uh, surge came through, 
it just washed underneath it, right. and the people were living uh, safely upstairs. So that's one of uh, our uh, adaptation projects that we would like to replicate across all the islands. Right. Now, the government has also begun helping people who are looking to relocate from the nation to other countries. What kind of advice or what kind of services are you able to provide residents of the nation who might decide it's not really worth it for me to stay given what's coming with sea level rise? So the government of Tuvalu is not actively encouraging people to migrate. Mm -hmm. So that's a quite clear policy uh, direction. However, the government is facilitating and providing uh, opportunities for people who choose to migrate uh, out of Tuvalu because of the climate change impacts. Um, so there are worker schemes, migrant worker schemes with Australia and New Zealand where our people could go on short-term employment contracts. We are working on an initiative that eventually will be brought up within the UN system where if everything fails and Tuvalu becomes in, uninhabitable, mm -hmm. um, obviously there's nowhere to go, so we need to relocate. Uh, in that scenario, we would like to work with like-minded countries to ensure that we maintain our Tuvalu identity, we maintain our Tuvalu culture, our heritage, in whatever new community that we are locating to. So that's an initiative we are currently working on and um, we assembling a, a group of uh, friends of countries that uh, share that vision and then eventually uh, we'll bring it up within the UN system. When you talk to, to citizens, what's your sense of their take on what's ahead for the future? Are they nervous? Are they looking to move? Are they hunkering down? What's the what's the mindset of the average citizen that you run across? Yeah, uh, it's unanimous. Uh, people in Tuvalu do not want to move. That's a, a resounding unanimous view. Uh -huh. They are, however, worried and they should rightly be so because we are seeing sea level rising right. and the severe and intensity of uh, cyclones. So our citizens are very hopeful that outcomes of a COP26 like this would uh, prevent Tuvalu from uh, disappearing or sinking. I, I've talked to a number of scientists who say that at this point we've already sort of baked in a few feet of sea level rise no matter what happens going forward, no matter what emissions targets are agreed upon. And I'm curious about how you view sort of findings like, scientific findings like that, that you know you could have that two to three to four feet of sea level rise, not necessarily in the next few decades, but eventually that is coming. And, and what does that mean for the future of your nation? It's very, how should I say it? Uh, risky and uh, dangerous and uh, for us in Tuvalu we do not want that to happen. We know that uh, even if we were to reach the 1.5 and achieve the 1.5 degree target at this COP that won't prevent 
Tuvalu uh, land disappearing or sinking. So our key message is for countries to help us prevent us from uh, being submerged. And through that, we uh, would like to undertake a, a, an ambitious uh, raised land reclamation program. So part of the discourse in the COP26 is under the broad category of loss and damage is to have a dedicated funding facility that could also allow funding of slow onset events and non-economic losses uh, such as large coastal infrastructure program. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's uh, one of the things that uh, we currently uh, hoping the outcome of uh, COP26. But you're, you're talking about a, a project like China is doing right now in the South China Sea where they're literally building up islands that didn't exist before or you know adding on to islands that didn't have that same landmass. Is that a viable solution for nations like Tuvalu? I mean, it seems to be incredibly expensive to pull off. So where does the funding for something like that come from? So it is a viable project. Uh, we see that uh, not only the South China Seas, but also in a low-lying atoll, just like Tuvalu, in the Indian Ocean, the Maldives, right. where they have successfully uh, built new land and raised it. Mm -hmm and now it's a, a tourism destination country, a successful tourism destination country. So it has been proven to be viable and part of our expectation at this COP is to ensure that whatever climate finance is agreed, it could provide funding for such an ambitious uh, program. Lastly, I just wanted to, to get your take on the connection between culture and land and location. Obviously, your traditions and your culture are bound to the place where you grew up and the place where your ancestors grew up. When you see something like climate change and a threat that it represents, it, it must strike at the, at the very identity of, of a culture. And, and I'm wondering if you could just reflect on how you see that? Uh, yeah, you have uh, uh, hit it on, uh, on the top of the, the nail. Uh, that's exactly how we see it in Tuval. We do not want to leave or, or relocate or migrate away from Tuval because that's part of our culture, our identity, our heritage. We are working on uh, amending our constitution to ensure the permanency of statehood of Tuvalu statehood and the maritime boundaries, regardless of uh, the effect of sea level rise on our land territory and our maritime boundaries. That uh, we hope that could be a platform for setting a new precedent under international law so that uh, whatever happens uh, due to the impact of sea level rise, Tuvalu can still claim its sovereignty and statehoodness. Well, I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. It's really a pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure.